Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast, where we challenge the stigma associated with mental illness through conversations about a variety of issues impacting mental health. Here we bring you news, views, and interviews that intrigue, educate, and celebrate recovery. Leading us on this journey are the hosts of the Mindvine Podcast, Daryl Mathers and Chris Bovey. So welcome to the Mindvine Podcast. Um, my name Thank is Daryl Mathers. This is Chris Bovey, my co-host. Good. And we're pleased to have uh, Mike Schrader. That's right. Uh, I'm, hopefully I got that close you to being did. right. So thank you very much for, uh, for being here, and you're here because you started a program that kind of incorporated your own experience with, with mental health and yeah. your uh, interest in, in riding bikes. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, um, I'm bipolar, and I grew up in a small town BC, Vernon, BC, in the, in the 70s and the 80s, and of course the stigma that was around uh, mental illness was a lot more severe back then. There was no internet. There was no role models that you know. No one, no actors at that point, or or, or uh, sports celebrities had come forth uh, acknowledging mental health challenges and such. And so I really spent uh, uh, an exorbitant amount of uh, intellectual and emotional energy going through high school, going through my informative years hiding, and and still did in my 20s and and, and in my 30s with only my immediate family members and closest friends knowing um, what I was dealing with. And then uh, in a, a manic episode, I had, uh, well, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, I grew up in a family of cyclists. Um, my mom and dad would take my brother and I on trips around BC on bikes. We, we once toured uh, part of Europe on bikes. So the idea of biking uh, long distances for travel, that, that comes from them. As a BC boy, I watched uh, Terry Fox and then later Rick Hansen um, use a, um, you know, a spectacle, a, a dog and pony show to really get the media's attention and and then draw awareness to a cause and that really appealed to me in particular this notion uh with rick hansen and terry fox that though they had a disability they were still very much men were still very much strong and they still had something to offer to society so part of uh the idea of cycling around the world for the canadian mental health association with a campaign called ride don't hide uh, came from the, the 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 forefathers of this sort of idea terry fox and rick, rick hansen and uh, in a manic spell, uh, you know, uh, while at UBC doing my studies, that, that sort of congealed for me. Um, and then 14 years later, that was 1996, 14 years later, I finally had the courage to put that in action in 2010. Met the right woman, now the, the, the mother of our children, my wife, my life partner, who very much ran it as a grassroots organization from the corner of her desk while working uh, full-time at Langarage College. CMHA endorsed it. I left on a bicycle from Vancouver, cycled through 33 countries over 16 months, did the equatorial distance of 40,000 kilometers. <laughs> uh, but where I was really successful is I was able to uh, leverage my credentials as a teacher, added a level of professionalism to it, level my credentials as a part-time journalist, got all my media buddies on board, people like yourself, mm. and really... Uh, you know, wrote a column every two weeks for a popular Vancouver newspaper while I was on the road. And that kept the, the ride alive. Came back to Vancouver in, I think it was November the 12th, 2011, having finishing the ride to, you know, two, three hundred cyclists cycling with me on that rainy day into Rogers Arena. And it really, um, it, it culminated the global ride. But the Canadian Mental Health Association had the wisdom to immediately take that and turn it into an, an, an annual event. Mm -hmm. 
And so June of 2012, we had our first annual Ride Don't Hide. There were just two cities that participated in British Columbia. And over the past six years, we've grown to just this last June's uh, sixth annual Ride Don't Hide that saw 30 cities across Canada, wow. 7,000 mm -hmm. Canadians participating, um, $1.6 million raised on the day. It's Canada's largest bike ride uh, in that sense and certainly largest mental health awareness event. And it's basically anti-stigma uh, mm -hmm. campaign. You have uh, distances that are 5, 10 kilometers long where you see people riding their, you know, with their kids and their little BMX bikes. You have 100-kilometer uh, rides that are very serious with, um, uh, you know, let's say with the police escort through Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Altogether, you have all types of people on bicycles uh, in the sunshine, in the summer. Mm -hmm. No stigma there, no fear there, no misunderstanding there. People wearing little labels saying, I'm riding for myself, I'm riding for my brother, I'm riding for my sister, that kind of stuff. And I think it's the antithesis to, to fear and misunderstanding. I think it's the antithesis to stigma. I was just curious, when you were doing your ride... As which you sounds exhausting, by which the way. Sounds, yeah. <laughs> when you were, like, when you were listing just off the miles, I was like, down. oh my God. <laughs> but I was just curious, when you, was there anything, as you're doing your stops and, and sure. connecting with people, was there anything that surprised you or really resonated from the stories of the people along your journey? Good question, and, and and this was literally the fuel that kept me going because I was alone. Um, the only the only part of the ride that was uh, that I had company was car support across Canada. At the end, the it was either through our Facebook page or the website or in person. People kept on saying it's about time. Mm -hmm. People kept on disclosing these very private stories. You could you you could tell that these people had secrets and that they had not shared with anyone and and were very private about. But I guess I'd become a little bit of a lightning rod, uh, a safe place, and they were writing me emails or they were saying to me in person in whatever country I was visiting, they were disclosing their stories. Mm -hmm. And you could see how visibly uh, emotional it was for them that they had, a, they had an opportunity to share something that they had held secret. They had come out of hiding, so to speak. Right. So that definitely was the underlying theme that, that, that just kept on coming up over and over again. Uh, and this, you know, people keep on saying, you gotta, you gotta keep going, you gotta keep going, don't stop, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and that really was the fuel that kept me going. That must you, have been a lot of pressure, though, too, to feel like, you know, uh, you've got a champion. I mean, it's an exhausting, mm. mentally and physically exhausting journey. But, but, but yeah, it, I mean, it would fuel you. But I mean, if, did you feel immense pressure I, to, 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 that you, all these people needed you to, to be the voice? Yes. Yeah, it was. But it was... It, I, I don't think I could have done it without the pressure. Right. One of the reasons I, I needed the endorsement from the Canadian Mental Health Association before I left was it added legitimacy to this crazy dream that, like I said, literally came from the Manic Spell in 1996. It added credence. It added uh, uh, legitimacy to it. And, right. and knowing that I had this noble, uh, I mean, there's CMHA celebrating their 100th anniversary uh, next year, literally having this organization behind me uh, couldn't allow me to stop. You know, you pass a place, you're like, this is beautiful. I could hang out here for two weeks and just learn how to surf. It just wasn't an option, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And it's those stories and CMHA's endorsement that really um, uh, kept me going. I mean, I literally would have had to come back in a body bag or severely injured from a car accident. There was nothing that was going to stop me. You mentioned, you know, before when you were in high school and when you were in university yes. and even into your 30s that you yes. kind of kept this to yourself that yeah. this was you know very select few people knew what you were going through yes and now anybody does <laughs> like right. they, the world does <laughs> there's no hiding it anymore right so can you compare what it was like to to be living with mental illness 
when that small group knew right compared to now your teacher right you know the whole world knows like yeah. what are those two experiences like you guys are asking great questions <laughs> um i'm not sure i fully remember the michael schrader before ride don't hide uh i am so free and so confident in who i am fully including my mental health challenges uh, and that didn't exist before People have often asked me, what was the hardest part of the ride? You know, was it the mountains? Was it the hills? Was it the this? The hardest part of the ride was writing my first column. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's a quarter million uh, readers in Vancouver. Uh, and saying at the end of it, I'm Michael Schrader and I'm, I'm, I'm bipolar. I sat there by my laptop, shaking like a leaf, crying. My girlfriend, now wife, you know, hugging me, saying, you can do this. I'm getting all emotional just mm-hmm. thinking about it. The amount of fear, right, having, having realized that you have um, a mental illness at, let's say, 13, and hiding that up until 2010 when I'm a 40-year-old man, I'm, I'm now 40, 48, uh, to let that go was just mm. beyond cathartic. The, the, the chip on my shoulder was the size of a freaking you know, old-growth tree. Mm-hmm. And to finally hit send and send that off to, to my editor-in-chief in the newspaper and realizing it's going to be in the newspaper tomorrow, you know, I wept. Mm. But after that, the, 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 you know, the, the, the catharsis, the, mm-hmm. the freedom... Right now, at the same time, I'm not. I'm not saying it's for everyone. Like certainly, you know, airing your dirty laundry like I did is not. Is not. Is that's not what people do? But you know, I have a, a strong union, the teachers' union. Um, there was no risk to my employment. There was no risk to my. You know, me not being able to bring in a buck. We still live, unfortunately, in a world where there is still some stigma, mm-hmm. and some people may rightly have kept this thing a secret because they may rightly feel. Um, that said, listening to today's um, you know, uh, 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 keynote speakers and such at the conference, and you hear the minister of, you know, the federal minister getting up there talking about her family's mental health challenges. You hear the CEO of CMHA getting up there. You hear, you know, many mm-hmm. uh, sports celebrities and actresses now talking about it. Finally, this is coming to an end, the stigma, because the stigma dehumanizes it. And it, it took the empathy away. And the first part of healing, whether it's a, a physical or emotional affliction, is you have to feel empathy. Mm-hmm. You have to feel you're safe in the group. Right. You have to feel that you can, you, you, you're going to get the pats on the backs and, and the reassurances that you're going to heal. And, and arguably, you could make the case that you were wiser up until recently in Canada and certainly still in other parts of the world, that you would be better off to keep your mouth shut, that mm-hmm. you might lose professional uh, and social opportunities if you disclose. And that in itself is just so mm-hmm. inhumane. It's mm-hmm. literally beyond cruel. Right. So it's so good to see the stigma disappearing. And, and that's what Ride Don't Hide is, uh, is about. It's an anti-stigma campaign. So you talked about when you were doing the ride, often people are looking for an opportunity to come forward and share. And, right. And you provided that. Going back as a young Michael, like what did what could have happened in your life that you know you say you know you grew up without the internet? What could have changed for you to feel, as a young man or someone in school, right? That I can talk about it. What, what do we need to do? It's it, yeah, it's so important. As a teacher, I teach grade five. Um, we are finally in our education programs. That's becoming part of the education program. A little bit of mental health awareness. We're the front lines. Their teachers, quite often these mental health challenges start in youth. In fact, most of them. And just for a teacher to have the capacity to recognize a challenge and then the confidence to 
you know, talk to the parents and say in such a way that, hey, you know, I think your son or daughter is going through something here mm -hmm. and not have the parents react like, you know, who the F are you to tell me that my kid's crazy, right? To have the parents re react like mm -hmm. you would if you say, hey, I think your kid broke their leg. Mm -hmm. Like you might want to take them to a doctor. So times are changing. That's so important. There's also with the internet, I mean, if you Google famous crazy people, right? Just the amount of shakers and movers mm. in the western canon that have dealt with the mental illness yep. from all not all but predominant um, you know more more the um the the you know it's not the exception here yep. of the great poets and 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 directors and musicians uh and philosophers and and you know from kennedy to um uh, Abraham Lincoln to Winston Churchill. These people are all people that dealt with mental health challenges. Yep. Uh, Johnny Depp's OCD, right? You know, and uh, uh, Mel Gibson and Madonna. And, you know, the list is endless. And so today you can, as a teacher, I can I can show this to kids. In in Vernon, back in the 70s and 80s, a, sound, a, a town of 20, 30,000 with no internet, I unfortunately made the mistake when I knew I was dealing with some mental health challenges, which were... You know, on the shrouded side of the family, you, you distrusted the psychiatry profession. Mm. My parents came from Austria. You know, it was all very Freudian. And my dad, <laughs> a very bright physicist, uh, was not going to have any time for that sort of stuff. So you didn't go and acknowledge it. It was a family secret. So I, I made the mistake at that time, at, at literally at age 13, of picking up the Encyclopedia Britannica, mm -hmm. which was full of information from the 70s and the 60s. So it's completely outdated. Mm -hmm. But not having the mental capacity, emotional capacity, to truly understand what I was reading mm -hmm. in Encyclopedia Britannica. And I just went down a rabbit hole that I mm -hmm. honestly didn't recover from for, for years. I just scared, scared the crap out of me. Um, because I was, I, you know, there was no one to disclose to and there were no other images of what a mental health challenge, mm -hmm. successful person, and, and, and here's the thing, the, the images that I was getting were so destructive. It was the Hollywoodization of mental illness. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, the slasher insert, genre. Insert horror movie here. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's and, and then it, as a part-time journalist, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say if it bleeds, it leads. So again, the only time a person with a mental health challenge makes the news is some, you know, statistical outlier where something horrendous happens. Some guy mm -hmm. goes postal. And so these were the images I was getting yeah. all growing up. And so... Darn right, I'm going to keep this a secret, and darn right, I'm going to expend a huge amount of my energy hiding. Mm -hmm. And this is, and this is, in fact, still happening today. I have a friend that's a pharmacist. He's got the only 24-hour Shoppers Drug Mart in Victoria. Guess who comes in at 3 a.m. to get their scripts filled? Mm -hmm. Doctors, lawyers, mm -hmm. accountants, getting their 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 anti-anxiety or antidepressant medications filled because they don't want the public that they're working in to see them. So they're coming in at 3 a.m. to get their antidepressant. Mm -hmm. Right, like the the if 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 one in five Canadians deal with a mental health challenge, that's roughly seven million Canadians. Obviously, it would be a national tragedy if seven million Canadians were dangerous and dysfunctional. So, ninety nine point nine nine nine, God knows what percent of the people are hiding because of the the narrative is still being controlled by this negative storytelling machine. Yep. In your role as a teacher and you're like part time journalist and. Uh, the leader of this ride, you could not be a more public person, I wouldn't mm -hmm. think, than you, than you are. And I wonder what your role as a teacher specifically, mm -hmm. what's the reaction to parents and maybe students that you, whether, I mean, grade five might be a little young for them mm -hmm. to, to comprehend, you know, kind of the mental health aspect, but they do grow up, you sure. know, they move into other grades, you might have a relationship with them. What is kind of the, how are you received kind of by that? 
So that was one of my greatest fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I disclosed to uh, a principal who I was working with at the time who's since become one of my greatest friends. She's, she's retired now. She's like a matriarch to me. And she then uh, put me in touch with one of the super, superintendents. So Ronnie Ross was that principal and then retired Gary Fisher, one of the superintendents in the Vancouver School Board. And they were both so, so supportive. Um, and for by and large, it's been very positive. I, I, I haven't met any parent that's stupid enough to, 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 maybe they're out there, but have said something to me in this regard that would, would be in any way negative. So usually it's, you know, wow, you did something pretty, uh, uh, um, pretty amazing, for lack of a better word. And, you know, my son or daughter, I'm glad that they're in your class. Um, and, 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 and they quite often disclose either something about them or their family member. Uh, teachers end up disclosing these conversations that are happening in staff rooms now and in schools that I just don't think existed a decade ago or you know you know the bell campaign let's talk to a certain degree ride don't hide and all the other amazing your podcasts and the other podcasts stigma is a uh, you know it's a social disease and it and it and it's eroding so fast it's eroding so fast as People like yourself with your Mind Vines podcast are just chipping away at it. And suddenly, you know, everyone is, everyone is either directly or indirectly affected. So everyone has a story. And when it's suddenly become clear that it's safe to talk about it, it, it it's eroding fast. Yeah. Well, um, so I've never had any negative co- feedback from yeah. colleagues or parents. Well, that's good. <laughs> and it's been great to hear your story. We really appreciate you taking time. Pleasure's uh, for mine. For us to get to know you a bit better. And, you know, you, I, I know I'm aware of your program, but... It's nice to actually uh, sit and talk to you about it and, uh, and kind of unpeel the layers of being a teacher, journalist, and an advocate. So thank you very much thank for you. Uh, yeah. joining us today. Yeah, head to ridedonthide.com if you're interested. Uh, it'll be June the 24th, 2018. We are looking at about 40 rides across Canada. You don't have to be a professional cyclist. Come out with your friends. Come out with your kids. It's just about not hiding. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I ran. No, no, it's good.